Hey y'all, this is Lisa. And this is Karen. And this is Pop Fashion. Hello, Lisa. Welcome to your fashion news comedy podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, Karen. How are you? I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine, Lisa. <laughs> That's you wanna cut it at fine? You don't wanna tell them about your wild week? I mean, okay. I lost a tooth out of my head, <laughs> out of my skull. <laughs> It was a crown. So it wasn't like a, a live tooth. It was a crown. I had some dental issues years and years ago and a crown fell out. So it's, I'm not in any pain. But let me tell you, I do feel like a sea hag. And it happened on Easter, the Lord's Day of Candy. Yeah, like how do you liquefy your Easter candy to be able to drink it when you're on Crown Watch? <laughs> Like, I have it now in a Ziploc bag, and I'm going to go to the dentist. It will be fixed. All is well. But I've been eating a diet of very soft foods for the past week. I'm kind of a shit show. It'll be fine, Lisa. I just would love to be a fly on the wall tomorrow with the dentist when you just, like, whip this Ziploc bag out of your purse. And, like, there's your tooth just sitting in there. Listen, I know that I won't be the craziest thing that happened in that man's office this week because I know dentists have seen some stuff. I'm sure they are used to this and that they have stories. You should ask him right before he shoots you up in Novocaine. Just be like, tell me about all the other crazy shit you've seen this week. Make me feel better. Seriously. That's a great idea. How about you, though? What's going on over there? He'll be like, I'll be back in 10 minutes and then I'll tell you about it. You got to let it. You got to let it set. Um. No, I'm I'm good, except I need to tell you about a tragedy because I feel like y'all can relate to this kind of tragedy. <laughs> she is clutching her pearls. This is an upsetting moment. So this morning I reach up to get the can of coffee from above the cabinet to refill the little container that I use to fill the coffee pot every morning, right? So I don't look at this canister a lot. I just grab it and do a refill. I've been making half-calf coffee for like two weeks. <laughs> Lisa. And I just found out. Why are you going to play yourself like that? <laughs> like, I... <laughs> so look, I bought the half-calf on purpose because sometimes I get a little jittery. Like, I have heartburn problems. And so I've been told in the past to cool it with the caffeine because it just irritates you. Do I listen? No. But sometimes I get the half-calf coffee to have on hand for the days when I want a bit of a milder coffee experience. But I forgot that I did that. And I just ripped into this canister and like did not, truly did not realize I was making half the power (laughs) for two. I was like, wow, this answers so much about how I've been feeling lately. About how like no amount of coffee can satisfy my need for caffeine straight to my brain. It makes (laughs) sense. Now, don't tell John. Do not tell John. Because if he knows I've been giving him, like he already thinks my coffee is weak at my house. He wants like Bustello, like straight into his veins. But I can't tell him this. I'm going to have to take the label off or something so he doesn't know. On the bright side, when you get that full caffeine again, it's going to feel so good, Lisa. <laughs> it's going to be a um, an exfoliating experience for my insides. <laughs> mm-hmm. Excellent. So that's how my day went. If I sound a little more tired than usual, I blame Folgers. I blame Folgers for what I did to myself. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Checks out. Yep. Yep. 
Moving on. Fashion news. What do you got? What's happening? Fashion news. Oh, this first story, I I had to bring it to the podcast. We do not talk about specific shopping centers that often, but we are today. Hermes is taking over a former Sears in Los Angeles. That is a glow up. Wait, can I sing it? Can I sing it and then you can tell us? Yes, please. Come see the softer side of Sears. Do you guys remember that? Do you remember that commercial? Lisa and I were reminiscing right before the show. And it's amazing how quickly both of our brains like hooked back onto that. Uh, Some of our younger listeners may have not had this experience. (laughs) Youth. But there was a big marketing campaign in our youth that had that jingle. And it just sticks right in your brain. Yeah. Sears was real hot in 89, and uh, <laughs> and Sears has gotten so soft that now it's being replaced by Hermes. Okay, here's what's happening. Hermes just signed a lease on a 7,500-square-foot space at the Westfield Topanga in Los Angeles, which was formerly occupied by Sears. This is significant because... This is one of the first instances of a single luxury brand being an anchor at a tenant mall. It's important to note, this probably plays something in it. Hermes is one of the only luxury brands to come through the pandemic with increased overall sales. They're doing fine. That might help the situation, yes. The former Sears is going to be completely redeveloped. The new space will open in 2023, but the talks about this didn't happen during the pandemic. They started back in 2019. That entire shopping center is going to be redeveloped, expanded. So it's part of something larger that they're doing with the complex, but a luxury brand as an anchor is something that I had not contemplated before. Think it's a new trend? I don't know. It seems like a lot of square footage to fill yeah like does Hermes have that much merchandise I mean I know that as you get higher and higher up in the luxury ranks like you have less merchandise on the floor it's more of a an interactive experience with the associates and uh, it's a little bit of showrooming but not a lot is out right uh and I don't know like how far can you spread out items before it just looks too sparse so uh, it'll be really um, something to see, like, how they design a space with square footage like that. And this is not to say that that luxury brands don't have large spaces, but I often think of them as, like, a multi-floor space in, like, a renovated townhome or some sort of yeah. different format that isn't just what you think about when you think about a Sears and a mall and just this expanse. I wonder if they're going to treat it more like an arts space. Hmm, I would like. The merchandise as art. Yeah. I, I wonder if they're going to go in that direction. Or it might be the type of store that they do a lot of tech experimentation where so many luxury brands, like you can have an experience on your phone on an app that translates, like you could take the app into the store and see different things or have a digital experience as you're walking through. I wonder if they're going to do that type of experimentation. Or... If you do have a store that big, that's a great place to have shows. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think there's a lot of potential here. I am interested to see how it actually looks in practice. But I don't know if it's something that would 
get me to go to a mall to see a designer store in an anchor spot. But if I were nearby, I might check it out. Or if I was a fan of that brand, I would definitely check it out. There's also a lot of talk right now about the malls that are going to last post um, pandemic and that mm-hmm. the luxury ones are going to be so destination driven that they may have a really great chance of staying around for a long time. So maybe it's part of that. I mean, at this point, it looks like it's clearly an anchor tenant who can pay the bill every month. So that's really what matters in the end, right? Yeah. That's a lot of Birkin. <sighs> so many Birkins. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine them just like scowling at the teenagers who were just like wandering through <laughs> to look at everything or me wandering through <laughs> looking at everything yeah but like they'd have to guess your income looking at you like someone who's clearly 15 it's like you probably can't buy anything in here I'm not gonna get a commission on you it's Los Angeles they could be lots of YouTubers out there who are like have way more money than me or you though This is true. If you're a YouTuber between the ages of, well, I don't want this to be weird, so you should be 18. (laughs) But if you're like 18 to 24 and you're a famous YouTuber and you want to take me shopping, I am available. (laughs) I will go. I will accompany you. I'll I'll drive you there. I'll drive. Um, Turning to a store that hasn't done so well during the pandemic. You uh, you ever drive down the highway, or in your case, ride down the highway? Garn, you're not doing a lot of driving. I'll drive you to the Hermes. I'll I'll pick you up at the dentist later. Um, have you ever like gone past a bunch of warehouses when you're on the highway, and you're like, I wonder what's in those. Um, I can tell you what's in one particular warehouse in Connecticut, and it's a whole bunch of stuff that Brooks Brothers abandoned when it filed for bankruptcy. Just like a preppy boy would. Mm hmm. Just leaving you to be somebody else's problem. <laughs> so this article is in The New York Times. It's co-authored by Sapna Maheshwari, one of my favorites, and Vanessa Friedman. And here is what happened. In 2011, Brooks Brothers, which has an office and a distribution center in Enfield, Connecticut, rented a warehouse in the same town for $20,000 a month. It has... 375,000 square feet, and this warehouse is the sole source of income for a couple named Chip and Rosanna Labonte. We will come back to them. All goes well and good until Brooks Brothers files for bankruptcy in July. The new owner, which is a joint venture between Simon Properties, the mall people, and Authentic Brands Group, led in my heart by only Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal, buys the company for a lot of money, but only agrees to keep operating about one quarter of the number of stores they have around the world. Payment for the warehouse continues as usual until late November, when Brooks Brothers sent a letter rejecting the lease on the warehouse and the contents of the warehouse. Dang. The warehouse and the stuff in it had not been a part of the deal to purchase Brooks Brothers. Store fixtures, props, a bajillion mannequins, 20,000 square feet of Christmas trees and holiday decorations. They're all just sitting there. Jeez. The Labontes say they've been able to sell about 30% of it. A liquidator paid them 20,000 as a flat fee to sell what they can. Beyond that, junk removal specialists have quoted them between 240,000 and 290,000 to haul the remainder away. (gasps) Oh, Oh, they left them with so many problems. 
so many mannequins. The Labontes have filed a claim in bankruptcy court saying, hey, Brooks Brothers, like you owe us money for the mess that you left us. But if they get anything from the proceedings, they don't think it will be any more than 5% of what they are owed for stopping payment and abandoning the stuff. The Labontes are in their 60s and they are preparing to sell their home to be able to clear the warehouse and actually take on new business. In 2019, before the pandemic, but regardless, Brooks Brothers made nearly a billion dollars in sales. So they made a billion dollars in sales. They went from that to going Mm -hmm. bankrupt to like leaving these like working Mm -hmm. people with a bunch of mess to clean up. Yeah. High and dry. Just abandoning ship. It's just the unfairness is so irritating. Yeah. And here's the thing. Had they, if you're wondering, like, well, why did they only have one client? Like, what, like, the warehouse people, like, how do they get in the situation? In normal circumstances, Brooks Brothers or whatever tenant would have ended their lease and they would have taken all of their stuff and left. And then somebody new who wanted to rent space or part of the space would have come in. And so they would have been able to keep making money. But because they abandoned all of their stuff, like they can't take on new clients in this space. And this is like a very vivid illustration of what happens when companies file for bankruptcy. Because the creditors to whom you owe the most are going to be first in line. And a mom and pop business like this is probably going to be at the end and probably not get anything. Um, But, you know, they got bought by this partnership for like, what, 350 million or something. But yeah, like, it's just heartbreaking that this working couple can't run their business because all of Brooks Brothers shit is in it. This feels like when you had that roommate and everybody's had one that stiffed them on something or left something behind or did not pay a bill or like left a mattress that you had to take care of or something where it's just like the unfairness of like, why is your situation my problem? But in bankruptcy, they do not care. They don't care. Mm -mm. Nope. And then they leave behind 20,000 square feet of Christmas trees. Well, this stinks. And they got stuck holding the bag they got stuck holding the chino pants and it just makes me feel really sad that this is what happens when big companies go bankrupt you know what i like to do when someone does me wrong embarrass them in public (laughs) and um can you tell us stories lisa no not on this show uh (laughs) I am really glad that this couple was willing to talk about their experience with the Times because it's you you hear about all these murders and acquisitions and bankruptcies and purchases and it just the numbers just don't seem real and when you put it in this context a lot of it does seem really real and the New York Times has pictures of like what the warehouse <laughs> looks like and it's just like a graveyard of mannequins skeletons and christmas tree the warehouse Yep, for all of your retail needs. Should you have any retail needs? Like, no no new mannequins need to be made for the next seven to ten years at this <laughs> right. rate. Okay, you just got to call up Brooks Brothers and be like, I, I need one of those girls or boys. <laughs> what else you got? Okay, next story. Let's talk about Nike again. I think last week we did not talk about them. This week we're back on track. Put the counter back to zero, y'all. Nike didn't pay taxes last year. Woof. Nike did not pay taxes last year. 
It is one of 55 U.S.-based large companies that didn't pay corporate income taxes, despite reporting sizable pre-tax profits. This info came out from a study from the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. Nike didn't pay federal income tax on about $2.9 billion of pre-tax income and received a rebate of $109 million. I do not understand tax stuff enough to understand how, how the math works on that. But Lord... The findings show that Nike paid no federal income tax on $4.1 billion of U.S. pre-tax income during the Trump era. So I read, I, I'm reading this because I don't understand it. The reason this can happen is because of tax breaks that were preserved or expanded by the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act and the CARES Act breaks of 2020. Mm-hmm, 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 yeah. This is a lot to take in for... There are a lot of us out there who have at one point in our lives had to have a talk with ourselves about how we were going to pay taxes that year. And this makes me very frustrated how billion dollar corporations are not paying taxes. So, um, Lisa, just explain it to us. Um, Well, I'll explain it like this to really put it in perspective for you. So since 2013 until and including this year. I have paid my taxes and Nike hasn't paid their taxes recently. (laughs) So in terms of like who's going to heaven, I'm first in line because I'm doing my civic duty and paying my taxes on time and as prescribed by the IRS. That's what else do you need to know? I I don't understand this. It's very bizarre to me. And this is not this Nike is a part of this, but they are not the only company that had this happen. Um, They're just one of the big ones. So Joe Biden recently announced this whole tax plan, which is uh, going to pay for a lot of the provisions of his recent stimulus package. And his idea with first, he's focusing on you know corporate taxes because there are a ton of loopholes where you can run a business in the U.S., you can be headquartered here, have offices around the world and pay little to no taxes on a lot of your revenue that you bring in. There are a ton of tax deductions you can take, and a lot of them legally and rightfully so, but then there are also a lot of provisions that let you to just, they let you just scoot around any responsibility for the money you bring in. The new proposal for, Biden's new tax proposal would raise the corporate tax rate considerably, but it would not bring it all the way back to what it was in the pre-Trump years. So it would hit sort of like a happy medium. It would, I say happy medium in terms of numbers. I have no opinion on this, but it would bring it back uh, to regain some of the percentage that was lost. And it would also close a lot of those loopholes. Now, will this thing get through Congress? I have no clue. I'm, that's not a soothsaying I'm willing to make because Congress is real fucked up right now. Yeah, like this is, this is a huge problem. This seems like a very big loophole <laughs> that is problematic. Yeah. And uh, I'm grossly like paraphrasing the analysis of the corporate tax situation right now. But basically, if companies would pay the taxes that they're supposed to be paying, if they didn't have these loopholes, we'd be able to pay for the social for the social policies that we need to keep people fed and in their homes and surviving an economic collapse. So like. 
you know, just like slight implications of being able to fix yeah. some of this. Yeah. That's it. That's all I wanted to report. She just messed up. <laughs> but let me tell you, I owe Uncle Sam 275 American dollars and I paid them. I wanted to be done. I wanted to be done with that. Good for you, Lisa. Proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just a hardworking American, a regular Jojo bean. <laughs> anyway, I'm about to tell you something real different. <laughs> this is a news story about Will I Am, the guy from the Black Eyed Peas. You didn't think we would talk about him on this show, did you? <laughs> Surprise. We are full of them. If you're wondering how this guy is still relevant, I will tell you that I learned that he is one of the judges on The Voice in the UK. He's still doing stuff in music. He's just not hanging out with Fergie as much. And during the pandemic, he is launching the Super Mask, a super high-tech face mask. It is spelled with an X. Where is the X in the word Super Mask? I'll let you guess at home on this audio <laughs> format. Are you going to spell it out the, for us, Lisa? The, the X is at the front. It's Super Mask, but it's super. You say it like Super Mask. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why he named it that. Let's just talk about the features, okay? The mask has a medical-grade silicone seal, so your glasses don't fog up. Necessary. An adjustable elastic strap, three fans, a filtration system, noise-canceling earbuds, a microphone, and Bluetooth connectivity. The battery lasts for eight hours. That's an entire workday. It costs $299. When I first heard of this face monstrosity, I was like, this man is too late. I'm about to be vaccinated. <laughs> I'm about to never need this. But Will I Am told Women's Wear Daily that the first prototype got made in April last year. By June, the second version existed. And in August, manufacturing company Honeywell came on board as a partner. Honeywell is one of the largest manufacturers of N95 masks. So they knew what they were doing. So this is just coming to full fruition, but it has been in the works since the start of the pandemic. So now it's a real life thing. If you want multiple fans blowing air towards or from your face through this mask, if you want a triple whatever filtration system, if you want to be able to take a call on your microphone and have some ear canceling, you can have it all for $2.99. Will I Am compared it to the popularity of street style and sneaker drops, calling it, quote, a robust mask that still gives you that sneaker cool street edge, unquote. So it's not for everyone, see price, but for people who need to travel or who want to be able to return to their commute with protection and also entertainment, this could be a really good solution. Lisa, I think this is dope. I've seen pictures and I think it's cool. I also think that we are, I don't think we are done with the masks yet. I mm -mm. understand that so many more of us in this country and around the world are getting vaccinated. Thank goodness. But I think this may be the beginning of something that we need to have as part of our daily lives for a while, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. we need to have them sometimes and not others. So him coming out with this or the idea of it being kind of this multifunctional thing that is like the Bluetooth part of it, I thought was really smart. Yes. I don't think this is a dumb idea. I think this is forward looking. I don't know if we have a dystopian future in front of us that like this is what we wear all the time until now, until for generations. 
But having something like this that you can grab if you need it, I don't think is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has to be a high fashion version of it, but something that is multifunctional that you can wear for a long time, I, I think is pretty smart. It's really genius. It's a great addition to our Blade Runner future. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like anyone who has to wear a mask all day at work or just going about their life, like if you're wearing a mask a lot without a reprieve, like you know how hard it is to like make a phone call, talk to someone, like have headphones on while you have your mask on. And God forbid you try to wear earrings at the same time. And there's just like a lot going on. And let me tell you what's going to happen. Like, okay, so this is also coming from the perspective of my dad was fully vaccinated and then got COVID after and he wasn't symptomatic, but he could be passing it around. Right. So Karin's right about the whole we're going to have to keep wearing the masks thing. But the first time you go out and you go to a concert or you go to like a movie theater um, or you go back to the office and you're not wearing your mask, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to get strep throat the first day because your body's (laughs) not going to be used to inhaling everybody else's germs. Okay, so I will be wearing a mask at the grocery store and and on an airplane for a long time coming. Yeah. Just so that I don't get stricken by life. And also, if you live in a high pollution area, if you live in a place that has a lot of like wildfires and dust, yeah, like I can see this being applicable for so many people. It sounds like something out of Black Mirror and it looks like something out of Black Mirror. But I think this is going to be the start of something that becomes very normal. Yeah, me too. Me too. We're going to see different ones with different features. The only problem is that I can't drink anything while I have it on. Like, I want to be able to do it all. Maybe maybe I wouldn't be worried about catching germs if I would just stop multitasking. Like, can I just <laughs> save my beverages for later? Personalproblems.com. <laughs> I'm happy that Will I Am made it to this show. It's a blast from the past. <laughs> my lovely lady lumps. Check it out. Next story. Gap is going to fulfill orders based on loyalty. Gap Inc. is designing a delivery fulfillment system based on customer loyalty. It will prioritize its, quote, most valuable lifetime customers. Under the system, delivery speeds will be tiered as gold, silver, and bronze. It's to manage fulfillment costs and please valuable customers, according to its CEO. (sighs) Sonia. So when we're talking about Gap. We're talking about Gap Inc. Not not just the one store, but we're talking about Old Navy, Gap, Banana Republic, Athleta. Gap's online sales were over six billion dollars last year. That's up fifty four percent over the previous year. So, which makes sense. Pantsdemic means more people are ordering pants and other clothes online, wow. and those clothes are being delivered. This is their way of figuring out how to manage those deliveries. Do you think this is an indicator of where things are going to head with retailers? Because it gives them some leeway on how to streamline operations on the back end. Are we all going to have to choose which stores we're loyal to to get things delivered quickly? I mean, you could <laughs> you could die on the show. God, can you imagine if we did a live show? God, we would be fired at the <laughs> first day oh my god cut that out all the listeners would fire us oh man the calls would be terrible 
So we're kind of already here if you think about Amazon Prime, Bed Bath and yeah. Beyond Beyond, Walmart Plus, whatever they're all called. I mean, this is essentially paying for better service, right? Because if you shop more frequently, you're going to get at the top of the list. And that's fine. But like, is the average consumer going to notice a difference? I, I'm like truly curious. Like, remember when uh, people figured out how to find out your Uber rating? Yeah. As a passenger. Yes. Like, is this going to be like I can get behind some algorithm and find out where I rate on the gap scale of being a customer? Because let me tell you, I used to spend a whole lot of money at that uh, organization. <laughs> and I feel like I have dropped off of recent. So, like, I want to know, like, am I a five? Am I a three and a half? I'm truly curious as to, like, how someone would know where they sit on the scale. Before the pandemic, I think we were getting used to a pretty swift delivery rate. That's since gone out of the window a bit. Doesn't exist. Yep. Maybe the, the tiered system is actually what it should normally be, but we just got used to this this sped up process that pulling back is actually an okay thing. Because mm-hmm. if you're having an emergency and need that item right away, you would go to the store. Right. Or you would just pay whatever express shipping fee if you really want it yeah. shipped overnight or whatever. So, yeah, it's probably just going to generate to you, like, when it shows you the options for your shipping choices and how long it will approximately take, it's probably just going to tailor that to who's logged in, right? And you won't know unless you're sitting next to your friend who's checking out for the exact same items at the exact same time yeah. to the same zip code, right? So it'd be very hard to track, yeah, unless they tell you, unless unless they outright tell you because they want to boost sales. They could just tell you. I mean, I guess they did because they let this article happen. But <laughs> um, like, I don't hate it. I It is one way to set our expectations about how long it's going to take to get stuff that we buy online. And uh, maybe it's worth experimenting yeah. with. Yeah, maybe. I don't know what that sigh was about. I think it was just about like life. Like, ugh, shopping. <laughs> Woof, man, I was trying to like shop for swimsuits recently and I just decided I hate every swimsuit style that exists. I don't like any of them. If I like the top, I don't like the bottom. I can't buy a whole set from anywhere. And that just is weighing on me. Sabrina, what do you want? Sabrina, we're trying to do a show. Intern. The intern has something to say about swimsuits. She wants to know why she can't go in the pool. (laughs) Because you don't know how to swim. Uh, Is that the end of our news? Yeah, it is. Moving on to listener letters. That's it. We got letters. Um, This note is from Shannon, who also sent us a lovely contribution. Just a reminder, it's not pay to play on the letters. It's just a dink. But her letter says, Hi, Karin and Lisa. I just wanted to drop a note to thank Karin for the idea to get dressed up to get your vaccine. <gasps> Ooh. I got mine this afternoon, and I broke up my very sparkly wedding Louboutins that I... Oh. That haven't seen the light of day in many, many months for the occasion. It made me so happy to have something to dress up for again, and I'd highly recommend that everyone mark this momentous occasion by dressing the hell up. It makes an already great day that much better. Anyways, thanks for the show and all the laughs during quarantine and before, too, Shannon. Shannon, I love that. I'm so glad you wore your lubies to get your shot. It's an event. Yes, you strut into that vaccination center and you strut the heck out and then you go lie down. <laughs> For a That's long time. Karen, <laughs> mm-hmm. what did you wear to your first jab? So I did get my first shot. Thank goodness. And 
I had great plans on what I was going to wear. And then they gave me the site to where I was going. And I had to do a lot of walking. <laughs> I had to, as my sister would say, go around my ass to get to my elbow to the place where I had to get the shot. <laughs> And so I ended up wearing much more practical things. I thought it was going to be much closer to my home. So I wore very practical things. Very reasonable. I appreciate this answer. Um, Also, your tooth had already fallen out of your mouth. So you really couldn't be taking chances on the day. Listen, I have had a week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just want to get through with all the same body parts at the end of it. That's it. I just, I'm just grateful she's still here with us. It might just be in mind and spirit, but hopefully her body holds up. We have one more letter today. Keaton says, Hi, Lisa and Karin. I'm a huge fan of the show, and I've been listening for three or four years. You're both awesome. I'm in the probably very small demographic of your listeners who are in the agricultural industry. Oh, so cool. In show show 359, towards the end, Lisa mentioned she will be wearing overalls and red bottoms to help pull weeds at Karin's. My ears perked up immediately because I love this combo of gardening and high fashion. I can be found on any given week in a field somewhere in Canada, chomping through the mud in my Rick Owens and overalls. <laughs> Often, I'm listening to your podcast while doing so. I just wanted to share that with you. Hopefully, you find it humorous. Thank you for reading. Your loyal listener, Keaton. I love this so much. I do. I know if anybody, our listeners, is going to have that combo of like, I'm out. Yes. In nature. Yes. But I'm still looking cute. <laughs> It's all art. It's just a matter of where you're looking at it. Absolutely. Did I just, man, somebody put that on a poster. I just came up with that. (laughs) Keaton, Shannon, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for the money, Shannon. That was also very cool. That's all for our listener letters. Lisa, what's your one good thing this week? Okay, okay, okay. Um, My one good thing was something that I was not going to tell you all about because I wanted to keep it to myself. Because it's too good to share. Um, It's not any big news. It's a tool that I've really been enjoying. And I told Karin about it last week. And she's like, do you want to talk about it? And I was like, no, I don't want people getting in on my good thing. (laughs) But I've come to the realization that I really do need to share because that is caring. And also, y'all don't live under rocks. You could probably find out about it on your own. So I've been using a tool called Focusmate. It is... A web-based calendar platform where you get teamed up with a total stranger, someone around the globe, to work for 50 minutes. You can work on whatever the heck you want. You can work at your computer. You can read a book. You can run on the treadmill. You can meditate, cook, whatever the heck you want. But your video is on with that person the whole time. So you are accountable to not just yourself, but to this other person who is also trying to be productive. And... It has changed my life. Can you explain how? How is another person on a video that you don't know? Break it down for us. Okay. So I go into this platform and I pick a time. Sometimes I can see who's going to be there. Sometimes I'm the first one to pick that spot. So I don't know who I'm going to get. It's a lot of students. It's a lot of people who obviously like work from home. Um, I've worked with everyone from like medical students to um a professional tailor who was working on a pattern for mm. a pair of overalls she was making. Speaking of overalls. Right. They're very cute. And 
so you come into the call and you all you say is like, hello, hi, how are you? And what are you working on today? And you set your expectations for the session. If you have to get up, you usually mute yourself, uh, but the camera's still on. So if you have to get up to go to the bathroom, get some water, you need to like tell your partner like, BRB, I'm got to get water, you know, like bio break. And so it like keeps you accountable to be in whatever space you need to be in doing whatever you plan to do for that 50 minutes. And then at the end, a chime goes off and you say like, hey, like, what did you get accomplished? Did you do what you meant to do? And you check in and then you say thank you and goodbye. It's not networking. It's not. It's like sharing a table with someone at Starbucks. Yeah. Is what it is. And it has been amazing for me because, okay, so you, the free version, you get three sessions a week, three hours basically, but I needed more than that. So I signed up for the paid version, which is only $5 a month. But like by putting money behind it, it's like, it keeps me accountable because I'm paying for something. And uh, I've used it a ton. I have gotten up every day this week, an hour before work for a session. Oh, Lisa. And- this is really yes, working for you. This is like turning yes. into a habit. It's turn. I'm trying. I'm trying to turn it into a habit. And like one morning I got up and I was trying to read this library book that I had due. One morning I got up and I like made coffee, fed the cats, brushed my teeth and just did like morning stuff. Mm. Uh, just like get up and start my day. Uh, and then like, you know, like today I'm, I'm working on a freelance project. So I like sat and I was working on that project with someone and Everyone so far has been amazing. It hasn't been as creepy as I thought it would. Everyone's just mm. been lovely and studious or, you know, like productive. Um, it's great. I can't take credit for discovering this. I learned about it from Emily Heller, who's a comedian and podcaster on a show called Baby Geniuses. And she started doing it, I believe, after she was diagnosed with uh, ADD as an adult. Mm. And she said it's been huge for her to just to know that you're sitting in that spot. You're not looking at your phone. Like, it's off, it's in a drawer, and you're doing stuff. So that's my very long-winded tale of productivity, thanks to Focusmate.com. I love this. It does make sense to me. One of my favorite ever writing groups was a group where uh, you meet a certain time, you go around the, the room, you say your name, and no one speaks for one hour, and at the very end, you say what you do. Same same thing. Yes. I got so much writing done during that. It was in person. This was pre-pandemic. Um I didn't want to be part of a writing group where we shared and then we critiqued. No, bitch. I just had to write. <laughs> so it worked out so well for me. So something being virtual makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It just, it's that I'll meet you in a coffee shop feeling that I've been craving all pandemic of just yeah. having someone knowing that I have to be at a place at a certain time or I'm going to let someone down. Yeah. I've been missing that a ton because uh, I can't, I refuse to be accountable to myself. I need, external motivation as they say (laughs) um but yeah so it's been great for me if you try it out let me know what you think I'm now you know an evangelist for it but that's my one good thing is the power of focus mate Karn what is your one good thing besides the fact that you got a vaccine you're getting your tooth put back in your face and (laughs) and you're soon gonna eat a very crusty sandwich to celebrate (laughs) what is your one good thing Besides all those things, you did such a good summary, Letha. 
I would like to talk about the grab bag, which has become a thing for a lot of independent retailers. If you look, you're going to find some in your town, I promise. So the thing that I have ordered recently was there's a used bookstore near me. It's called Capitol Hill Books. They have online a one sheet. You fill it out. You name the time, the type of books that you like, how much money you want to spend. And then they just send you a bunch of books. Now, they have an option where you can, they'll send you a picture and you can make comments like, eh, not that one, put another one in. But they have an option of just, just send me stuff. And so it will appear at your house. So my husband and I went in together on this and I'm awaiting my books. I'm very excited about about the owner picking out something that's really fun. Uh, But I've noticed a lot of smaller retailers have started to do the same concept through the pandemic. There have been a couple of stores right within my neighborhood that have done apparel grab bags or accessory grab bags where they have a flat price. You don't know what you're going to get. You might have your size. You might say like, this is my size. Um, But they'll just put something together for you and then you'll just take it and you'll accept whatever they get. I feel like it's a great solution for everybody. For me, when I do this type of activity, I see it mostly as a donation. And if I get one or two things out of it that I like, hey, it's a win. Otherwise, I can pass it forward. There are people in my life that might like those things more Mm -hmm. than I I do. I might be able to donate. Um, But I just see it as a way to like support your local businesses in a way that's fun that I think people are getting really creative about. Okay. uh, I love a grab bag. I really love figuring out. I I love that businesses have figured out how to replicate that like sense of discovery where, you know, in a store you'd be able to pick up a little impulse buy or like find some stuff at the counter, some little odds and ends, or they'd have maybe like a seconds sale once a year that you could go to. Like they're transitioning some of those like feelings into an online shopping purchase, which I very much appreciate. But I need to know what kind of books you requested. So because my husband and I went in on it together, we said, this is what he likes, like science fiction. This is what she likes, biographies and mysteries. This is what they like together, classics, and gave examples of books of those genres that we really enjoyed. And then like, we might get some repeats we decided not to see. We might get some repeats. We might not. We might get a couple books that we like and not others. But we just see it as like a fun way to participate in a store that we really enjoy. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about my grab bag. Oh my God, you're getting a grab box of books. That's gonna be the heaviest grab bag you've ever received. (laughs) 100%. (sighs) Also, if you're not following Capitol Hill Books on Twitter, you should because it's hilarious. They're hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. I miss that place. They also run a really good moving company. But that's a story for another day. Wow, wow, wow. Just to let you know how this can make a difference, Capitol Hill Books said that this grab bag concept is what kept them open during the pandemic. They said if they can do it for another two months, they're going to survive as a store. So don't underestimate how important like your 25 bucks could be um and also if you don't have that money don't feel guilty like you do what you can with what you got that's it um but you've you got a little extra cash you know support some local businesses it's a fun way to do it i love it small businesses we love you (laughs) and i will take your mystery stuff always Hey, thanks to everyone who submitted an entry for our micro grant giveaway that we're doing we are 
diligently reviewing your entries as we speak, and we're really excited to give out some cash money. Uh, but it's digital. It's not an actual cash. So stay tuned. We'll have details in May. Thank you all for, for doing that with us. That's the end of our show. I'm Lisa. I'm Karen. And this is Pop Fashion. You can catch up on previous episodes, send us a letter, or shop through our Amazon link by going to popfashionpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at popfashionpodcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, remember, it's all art. It's just how you look at it. TM Lisa. This is correct. (laughs) Yeah. Accurate. Trademark that shit. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.